This is the Dodcast. I'm your host, Nathaniel Dodson. In today's podcast, I sat down with the powerful and legendary Dr. Americus Reed II. I met Americus a number of years ago when he hired me to shoot a series of photos for his own personal brand and very quickly found myself fascinated with this professor who, when compared with other professors, is best described as a bit different in all the right ways. In this podcast, Americus and I will talk about doing the right research as you develop your brand, how he teaches his students, and how they respond. We talk about the challenges of modern branding in this socially aware environment. We chat about TED Talks, YouTube Red, men versus women, black versus white, what my own dad brand is, some of our greatest fears and phobias, and somehow slavery even gets mentioned. We talk about all this and much more on this, the fourth episode of the Dodcast. <laughs> all right. All right, cool. All right, welcome into the Dodcast. It's my podcast where I talk about things that I'm interested in with people who are far cooler than myself <laughs> in, in many cases, such as this more good looking, more physically fit, and more intelligent as well. <laughs> uh, Dr. Americus Reed, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for And thanks for that uh, intro. I'm feeling like really good now. Maybe <laughs> well, I'll hire you for PR. <laughs> yeah, well, if I have time. Uh, <laughs> um, you work here at Wharton School of Business. Yeah. For those of you who, who don't know, you're not yet a household name. Uh, so I, I feel like we have to explain a little bit of what you do here. Okay. You are uh, you're a professor here at Wharton. You've been here for this is my 18th year. 18th years. Yes. That's almost. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a while. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you do here? So I do a couple things here. One of the things I do here that's very important is I do research uh, under the Wharton brand. So one of the things more that, than like running a Google search kind of research, <laughs> yeah, because that's my flavor of research. Yeah, but my flavor of research is a little bit different than Nathaniel. My flavor of research is thinking about science and how science can inform uh, managers and public policy folks about how to do stuff. And so we do a lot of research here as well. I do two other things. I do a lot of teaching here as well in the classes that I teach in that context as well. And then I do a lot of outside stuff with companies to try mm. to bring my research to them to help them do better in the business place and uh, in the marketplace as well. So very hands-on. Take yeah. the theoretical stuff. Yes. Push it out into the market. Yeah. That's how it works. That's part of the Wharton brand. Part of the Wharton brand is really to say, you know, we want to get out of the ivory tower mm -hmm. and all this pontificating about, you know, what is theoretically interesting. We want to definitely have some of that, but we also want to be more applied as well. Is Wharton School of Business part of University of Pennsylvania? Yes, it is. is that, that's how it's a good way to think about it is mm -hmm. sort of a child branch of University of Pennsylvania. Yes. Because Penn, I feel like people, yes. it's an Ivy League school, so people, are, some people at least are going to kind of know that's what's going on. That's correct. In most of the online places I see you, you – I shouldn't say tout yourself because I feel like that has some negative connotation. <laughs> but what do you say? You're like you, America's. You're like a narcissistic the, megalomaniac. The, no, 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 no. I, I didn't. I didn't finish the sentence. Okay. You tout yourself, or maybe you are touted as a brand identity yeah. psychologist, brand identity theorist. Theorist. The that's the word I'm looking for. Theorist. Yes, yes. What is like? I'm. I'm not that smart. 
What does that mean in sort of layperson's terms? Yeah, so a brand identity theorist is a person who is super interested in understanding how brands, products, services, or organizations can become a part of how a person self-identifies. So there are lots of brands out there, if you even think of some of the most iconic brands. Mm-hmm. What they're really good at is getting you to see their brand as a symbol of identity. And so this notion of when a brand sort of transcends what it does in terms of mm-hmm. its features and becomes part of who you are, a brand identity theorist is a person who wants to understand how that process happens, number one, and then number two, how can companies create that kind of connection? Is that something that is reserved for the status of those big companies? I'm assuming you're talking about companies like Nike, yeah, like Apple. Yeah. Can the mom and pops – I'll put it to you this way. There are a lot of designers, photographers, people like that. They're going to watch this podcast. There are a lot of people that say I am quote unquote rebranding, gotcha. and maybe what they're doing is redesigning a logo. Mm-hmm. Wh- how could somebody, or what would what would be advice you would give to somebody like that in terms of you know they, you're you're doing a new logo for the pizza shop in town, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they don't have dreams or aspirations of being a global brand, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's still principles that yes. you could apply. Yes. What is some of that stuff, like whatever it is? I feel yeah. like I'm just asking you to throw slop at a wall. but I'm- Yeah, no, no. It's a, actually a critical point, Nathaniel, because what I often tell companies, even the ones that are new to the game, that are startups, is that sometimes there's confusion. Sometimes some of these companies think that a logo is a brand, mm-hmm. and a logo is not a brand. A logo is an outward-facing interface with the rest of the world. A brand is a meaning system, and so a brand has to do with, as a company – as a, a group of individuals who create a product or a service, what do we stand for? And what do we want? What are the values that we want our product to be associated with? That's an important question for any sort of company, whether or not you're Fortune 100 or you're a mom and pop startup trying to establish a connection with your consumers. So it's right. still relevant. So, so yeah. black lines is one thing, but when they're made into a swastika, yeah, whoa, yeah, exactly, it's exactly. a whole different. It's a whole different thing. Right. But sometimes folks get confused because they mm. think that oh, I just do a label right. or a logo, and I've got a brand, and that, that's not how this works. How does that work with? Um, well, I mean, I, maybe let me rephrase. There are a lot of companies that get so big, it's like steering a big ship. It's yeah. slow and it's mm-hmm. this arc, whereas kind of smaller, younger startups are much more agile. They can leap and bound and yes. you know juke back and forth and yes. duck and tuck and spin yeah. and make those critical on-the-fly decisions because they're not sort of bogged down by all that bureaucracy. bureaucracy right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How does a company – if you approach a company with some information – uh, about changing their brand, the way people feel about them as a company, mm-hmm. what kind of information are you giving them? Be more personal on Facebook? Uh, I mean, how, how, how scientific? I'm assuming it's much more scientific. Yeah, and- yeah. The research there really is where it starts. And what we try to do is we try to diagnose two things. One is what do current consumers think the brand is? And second, to sort of sub-question to that is does the company, what they think they are, does that mm-hmm. align with what consumers think they are? And so it's kind of looking for disconnect in that context. How do you get that info? Yeah, we talk to them. There's a couple different ways. Now it's it's becoming a little bit interesting because social media and technology is allowing us to do more fanciful kinds of analyses. What we used to do is uh, more predominantly do surveys and focus groups and qualitative kinds of things, interviews and things of of that nature. Now we're more able to go out there and organically understand what they're doing. So there's this big area that's hot right now called social listening. And the idea there is to actually go into the communities uh, online, into the interwebs, as it were, 
and uh, really try to understand what are people saying and talking about with respect to our brand in when, their naturalistic right, environment. Right, when they, when they don't think they're talking when, to the company. Exactly, when they right. don't think they're talking to the company. And so you're able to pull all that data from various communities and understand how are people talking about your brand in mm. a way that is non-biased. In other words, it's organic. Yeah. They're talking about it. And then you can pull all that text information down and then do something called linguistic analysis where you try to pull out themes about how are they speaking about us, what are they saying, what are pain points, all of these things. And you basically take all that information and you use that to create a survey to feed back into these customers and then you can ask more structured sorts of things and then get at kind of details around what are the thoughts that they have about our brand. And then you sort of start from that as a strategy. How do I quote, like you were saying, Nathaniel, rebrand? Right. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I, I recently, totally bizarre, but just I just remember when you were sitting here explaining this to me. I recently had a company send me a mailer, which I old fashioned way of doing conducting yeah, a survey. Right, right. But the new fashioned approach was they sent a, a five dollar bill along with it. Oh, interesting. Like a crisp clean. I thought it was fake. Uh-huh. The, the whole reason I opened it was because I'm looking like, is that a real five dollar? Opened it. I mean, they took it at the store at least when I went and used it. Interesting. And I'd never seen anything. Yeah. And they said, if you send the survey back, we'll send you another five. Oh, interesting. And I, I never, I sent the survey back. I never got the other five. But I didn't, even, <laughs> I, I didn't even care. It okay. was just so bizarre and yeah. out of the blue that yeah. I was, I'm going to send it back just because yeah. nobody's ever done that before. That's totally. kind of cool. Yeah. And yeah, hey, I'll encourage a company to send free money in the mail. Totally, totally. <laughs> Go for yeah. It. Make it twenty next time. <laughs> right. Yeah, to twenty. <laughs> be much better. It's a pretty good point there. Uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, we're always struggling, Nathaniel, with how do we incentivize customers to give us information and how do we get them to authentically do it? So that's actually pretty clever. You know, it says, hey, we're just going to compensate you. I'd never we, seen it. <laughs> yeah, we trust you well enough to put five bucks in the mail right. and that you're going to do, you know, take that five. It's actually interesting, though, because there's some research there that shows that uh, that if you if you give money away, that you're creating a kind of certain level of obligation that the person feels. So if I take the five, it's really hard to take the five and not, and not do, do the, the survey. Right. <laughs> I, and I wonder if that's kind of like yeah. it messed with my head a little bit. Yeah, that's part of the strategy. Yeah. <laughs> but there definitely was the part of me that was like, I appreciate the outside of the box thinking. Yeah, totally. This isn't just, hey, do the survey at the end of every Taco Bell receipt. There's yes. do the survey, you'll be entered online and you have a chance yes. to win, which you know you're never going to win. Right. Because some kid in Palo Alto just won it. That's you know right. I mean? That's you're right. Not, you're not seeing that. That's that's kind of wild. Yeah, surveys are huge. I was actually just recently in um, a, a restaurant that will remain unnamed. Uh, <laughs> and at the end of the meal, the server came up to me and, and my colleague. We were having dinner and they said, you know, would you like to fill out a survey? Um, yeah, we were like, oh, sure. You know, we're survey guys. We do this stuff. And then they said something really interesting, Nathaniel. They said, if you give us five stars, we'll give you a coupon for a free appetizer next time. <laughs> we were like, what? Like as, as survey you know, gurus, or we fancy ourselves survey gurus, we were like incredibly offended by this. And in fact, we asked – we stopped the guy. And we said, hey, you can't do this. Like, that's totally biased. Yeah. And, and they, this person literally said, well, that's our policy. And like, this well, your is the policy. Our poli- <laughs> yeah. Your policy <laughs> is to cheat. And it was interesting, though, because we looked into it a little bit further, Nathaniel. And what we found was that the franchises are competing for resources. So they need to be able to show that we're doing the best service possible here. So in some senses, they're incentivized to cheat. 
And that's really interesting because it hurts the customer. It, it kind of like creates a, a sort of cheating mentality. And then the brand can be hurt by that because you're not getting authentic, real information about what is the actual yeah, level. That's of, a five star. What's a three? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you're, to your point, Nathaniel, I think that, you know, we're, we're trying to ask these, we're trying to collect data. The question becomes like, how do we do it in a way that is, is as unbiased as is humanly possible? Where do you draw the line too? Because like Facebook's in all that hot water now with all their data collection. Hey and if you're, if you're a company, Let's yeah. say you're Nestle, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sure there are groups around Facebook that you can jump into where yep. people are crazy about this or that Nestle product. Yep. Or you can run a search on Twitter and see what people are saying or hashtags yes. on Instagram, all kinds of things like that, yep. and see what the organic conversation is. Yeah. I, get, I guess there's nothing wrong with going and looking at the information. It's all being put out there publicly. Correct. And there's nothing saying that anybody's allowed to see this unless you're, let's say, a professor at a university or somebody working on the board of X, Y, or Z company. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw the line or is there a line there when, when they're talking about a specific product? Obviously, you're not you know, doxing somebody or finding their phone number or totally. you know, copying their phone calls and duration yeah. and everything Facebook was doing, yeah. allegedly. Alle- <laughs> allegedly, yes. <Yeah. So, laughs> allegedly. Yeah, I, I like for legal purposes, in. allegedly. For editorial purposes, absolutely. Yeah, totally. It's interesting, though, because the, the Facebook <laughs> example is fascinating. In some senses, Zuckerberg. Well, here, let me just explain. The Zuck. The Zuck, man. He's in hot water, dude. He's totally in hot water. And it's what's interesting about this whole thing is that, you know, several years ago, before the advent of social media, it's like when a brand was in crisis, you had a little bit of time to yeah. react. Now you don't. Get your PR statement together, Get push your, somebody out. Exactly. Press release. Who does a press release anymore? Yeah, totally. And now so, the, the, yeah. the, you know, people are walking around with cell phones in their pocket, right? So if you're a consumer and you have a cell phone in your pocket, you're, you basically are sort of a part-time journalist. Mm-hmm. And you're also potentially a consumer vigilante. So it's like you can get in a network and be spreading bad information about a company, brand, product, service very yeah, quickly. Delta just killed my dog. Was it yeah. Delta United? I shouldn't. I shouldn't say. <laughs> I don't remember be what company who it was. Smear. That's yeah. right. Uh, whatever company. Whatever it was. Whatever company. Yeah. But there was somebody that they had filmed some guy getting thrown off of a commercial yeah, that airline. That was United. United. Okay, United. United is that what it was? Right yeah, yeah, and it was people with cell phones. The cap. Now I know one guy was a YouTube prankster. It turned out it was a you know he, right. whatever. But there was somebody, and and yeah, everybody's got a cell phone, so everybody's gonna like you said. Everybody's gonna jump in. What was interesting about Zuckerberg is that you know Cambridge Analytica, very scary stuff. Uh, only from the perspective of when you sign up on Facebook, you're signing fine print. Nobody reads this stuff. And Wait, what do you mean by Cambridge Analytica? That the company that basically oh, took that's the a, data. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you were using a term. Never mind. No, no, no. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so those guys were able to. So, a, a professor basically came out and said, "Hey, here's a little personality survey. Take the personality yeah. survey. It's a game, and you do it." And 300,000 people did it. And what was not realized that the permission was that the 300,000 we get to look at your networks. Uh, whoever's on your network, we get to look at all their information too. Everything you've given, everything. you've given us everything. You've given us that's how you get to fifty million people exposed yeah. in terms of their stuff. Mm. So, what's interesting about oh, this is so is the people in their networks as well. Yes, okay. that was the that was the big problem because right. when you sign on for the personality game, you're basically agreeing that they can have your information. You can sign your stuff away. You can but sign your, your stuff neighbor. away. Yes, mm-hmm. but if Nathaniel is my is my Facebook friend. They're getting your information, and you didn't take the survey. Did you take the survey? I did not. Thank okay, you. I, didn't I never either. take those games. I never. <laughs> but, you, but here's the thing: fifty million, right? Out of three hundred million people in the United States, you yeah. might have gotten your stuff. That, that's yeah. basically oh, whatever probably. that is, I, right? I, when I uh, my my personal philosophy is, if I'm online, somebody's finding out everything about me, totally. and I just don't care. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. just I know the stuff I've been into, and I know the stuff I haven't been yeah, into. Right. And I'm at least right now, I'm okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't plan on being in a place where I'm not okay. Right. But but, but if you think about it, it's one. 
one-sixth chance that your stuff got looked at. Now, I think some people are like, listen, I know they're, to your point, they're, they're like okay with that. They're, they yeah. know that Facebook is looking at this stuff. On a principal level, I hate it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I hate it. Yeah. I'm just, if if I'm going to play the social media game, yeah. I understand. You understand. I, 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 don't, I don't trust, I mean, come on, I just don't trust a big corporation yeah. when it's like the, the honeypot of all that information you can access is right there. Right. I just don't trust it. Right. I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even think my own personal Facebook is private because gotcha. I'm just like, if I'm going to be online, here, here it, is. it is. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I'm not going to, if, no if, I, if I don't want people to know it, I'm not putting it up. Right. Now, I saw people extracting information from their Facebook apps where yeah. it was like, oh, they tracked all my phone calls for this yeah. period of time. They got your likes. That, right, exactly. They're getting all that information they about – They got access to your, your photos, your yeah. videos, all your stuff. They can find out your curated self very easily. And what's interesting I about – I have a burner phone for all my nudes. Don't <laughs> oh, worry. There you go. Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. That's very – that's like like – Next know, level. Yeah, yeah I try to be a step stuff. ahead. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but what's interesting about the, the Facebook example, Nathaniel, is that – Zuckerberg had to come out and basically, uh, basically convince consumers, "Hey, listen, it's okay. You know, you can trust us." And Facebook is not a very strongly trusted brand at the moment. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting about this is that Zuckerberg had to come out and say, "Listen, we're we're going to protect your data." But what's interesting is like their entire business model is actually based on getting your data right. and sharing it with people so that they can sell ads and they can do other kinds of things to make money. So he's walking a very fine line here. And there was that those internal memos that I saw too, where they were like, "All in the name of whatever." If if there's a terrorist attack, if somebody gets killed, if yeah. somebody this, whatever, there's this greater good kind of thing. Yeah, and it's yeah. stuff like that where it's yeah. how does a how do you? I mean, when isn't there a point where there's so much initial damage done? Yeah. I, perfect example: Bill Cosby's up for retrial. Yes. If somehow he's totally acquitted, yes. Will he ever be able to resurrect his career? Yeah, that's interesting. I, right? Yeah. I mean, look at a guy like O.J. Simpson. Whether yes. he was guilty or not, right. really, there's certain people who are always going to look at him a certain way. Totally. Right? Like totally. You, you're guilty, O.J., 100% in my eyes. Totally. Right? No ma- so no matter PR-wise, I mean, maybe there's like a PR magician out there who could work some kind of magic. Right. But what does a company like Facebook do when there's this initial tsunami? Right. You know, having Zuckerberg, he's not the most personable guy. You've seen the memes where it's like, fellow humans, this is fish. You know, <laughs> we like to eat fish right, or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that seems like a bad PR move to me, it's pushing totally. Zuck out. Yeah, but and, it's interesting, though, because we now live in a world where – I mean, several years ago, it was you never really knew who the CEO was, the CMO, mm-hmm. the CFO, like all these Steve C-suite. Jobs, man. He, he changed a lot. He changed a lot. But – you know, at, from that perspective, it's like you could have anonymity in the C-suite, and no one really knew what you were doing, what your company was about. Now that's different. It's like consumers are demanding to to know, like, what do you stand for? Mm. Are you pro NRA? Are you anti NRA? You know, what's the deal here? And so now these folks have to literally come out and make a claim about this is what we stand for. And the sad, just just to butt in, the sad part about that is you can have a great company. Mm-hmm. That is put in a very unenviable position where it's like I never wanted to make a political stance about this, mm-hmm. but it's like if we don't boycott or stand up against something, we have a group of people who are going to boycott us. That's right. But if we come out yeah. and agree with those people, another group of people is going right. to boycott us. That's right. So it's this it's this position where we're, you're going to have to it, – it is an interesting conundrum Yes. because I used to know people who would be like, I won't shop at Walmart because I know their executive believes in this or has to do with that or this or that or the other thing. That's right. And as – I don't know. I've, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm pretty utilitarian, and yeah. it's like if Walmart's there and I need the pants, yeah. I'm just going to go get the stupid thing I yeah. need. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 
But then again, if you know a company stands for something that you think is totally egregious, yeah. I mean, back in the day, pre pre abolition of slavery. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's an issue that morally – slavery on racial grounds, that's yeah. an issue I feel like that morally is big enough for if there was a company that's like, go, let's keep them slaves, boy, yeah. that you'd be like, mm, yeah. I might yeah. go to the sandwich shop next door. Right, you know right, I mean? right. So the, I think you're, the point that you're <laughs> but making that, – But that's such a big thing, right? Now right. Today it seems like every week there's something. Yeah, yeah. But I think we're living in a climate now where socially – and societally, that's just the way it is. You know, the new norm is really you basically got to come out and t- and state, you know, what do you stand for? And you got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to try to attract this group of consumers, but not this other group. And I'm just going to live with my ability to do that and maintain and sustain a company. Isn't it strange, though, because back back in the day, back in the day, I mean, just a couple of years ago, you attracted a certain level of people or your consumer based upon the product or service yep. or brand, the personnel. Yep. I guess I guess what you're saying is the the social and political stance of a company is now becoming ingrained in the brand Absolutely. of the company. Absolutely. We know that that's a quote-unquote socially aware company, yes. let's say. Yes, and when you think about it, you know, this might be the difference. So if you have two brands, both of them are equally providing pretty much the same thing in terms of the features, uh, pretty much the same price. The differentiating the, the thing that might be the difference in choosing one of these brands over the other might be the fact that I believe this other brand is aligned with who I think I am and my values. So it's a way to differentiate yourself in addition to what you're saying, Nathaniel, to also kind of create additional uh, nuance and DNA of the brand to build that in. And there's different camps. Some, there's some camps that say, listen, you ought to keep values out of economics. Uh, there's other camps that say, you know, there's a moral imperative that you actually have to basically communicate to consumers what you stand for. So it's different I, I ten, modes of I ten, thought. Like, you know? I definitely feel like I'm more of an ideologue myself. So mm-hmm. I, I – I, can understand that position where it's I kind of want to know what you stand for, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it does also feel a little unfair to the company. Yeah, I don't know. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like if you if you create the absolute best product or offer the best service, mm-hmm. and just like if there was no such thing as politics, we could get along perfectly. Right. And I'm so kind to every customer that walks my door, regardless of who it is, what right. they believe, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Yet because I'm saying personally, I adhere to X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. this group of people is gonna be like, nope. Mm-hmm. No bueno, not yeah. doing business with you. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre on one hand, but yeah, like it, it is. I guess it makes sense, but it, it seems sense. unfair. Yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, I think that you know companies can make a decision if they think that this is a game they want to play. If they want to get involved with a moral argument in addition to an economic argument, I guess that's their prerogative. What kind of stuff do you teach kids that come in here? So I teach a couple classes. I teach uh, marketing strategy. I teach intro to marketing. I teach a class called consumer behavior which is basically applied psychology to understand why consumers do what they do. Lots of uh, Facebook group research. Lots of Facebook group stuff, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, Z- I mean, the Zuckerberg stuff is huge because now this is really sort of telling us, you know, hmm. uh, you know, that we can actually, instead of having to rely on what people report on a survey, we can actually just see, well, what are they doing? Yeah. And that, that's real, really for nice. For real. For real. It's and like so, in, in, the, in the SEO world, you could hire people who would create these hot maps over your website so you could see, oh, they hovered the mouse button over this button looking for something, mm-hmm. but they didn't even know they didn't even know what to say to us when we would have asked them for information. But because right. we have this hot map, we can see really right. what's going on in their head. That's right. It's very CSI. I love it because it's like really trying to diagnose things. So that class is really uh, – It's a good part of 1984 maybe. 
movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> as long as it's used that's ethically. Right. That's right. It's that's the right. Good, well, and I like I want to see ads on Instagram yeah. that I'm actually interested in. Yeah. I don't need an ad for women's underwear. Yes. Or for yes. you know a, a new suede you know yes. cover for my car seat. Right. 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 I mean, maybe now that I have kids, maybe I do. But you know what <laughs> right. I'm saying? Like, right. I want to see that new camera thing, or I right. want to see that that email marketing application, or I want to see yep. this. Or that. there's things that are me. I don't need a new set of skis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's very interesting too because you know people are complaining about the algorithms that are driving a lot of the ads that get shot to you. For example, on Facebook and even YouTube now. I remember the very first time a colleague said, "Hey, man, you, you know, check out this YouTube thing." Like several <laughs> years ago, and I was like, "What is this?" And I spent like thirty hours on <laughs> YouTube, like looking up every old commercial that I remember from right. my childhood, the whole bit. Yeah. And now I look at it now, it's like the ads are everywhere. And it's like I'm this close to saying, you know what? I might be willing to actually pay for no ads. YouTube would get it. Yeah. YouTube Red is so. Oh, is it good? Have, okay. It's so good. Yeah, but not not only that. Here, here. I so I got YouTube. How much Red. does it cost? It's like nine bucks a month. Okay. It's nothing. I mean, okay. it's not nothing, but it's nothing. It's two cups of coffee from Starbucks right. if you buy that overpriced <laughs> stuff. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Tell us what you really think. Don't sugarcoat it now. Yeah. <laughs> so unless Starbucks sponsors a show, in which case, oh, greatest coffee, the greatest no, coffee no. ever. Actually, I don't drink coffee, so I don't think I would ever have a coffee sponsor. Uh-huh. But. Um, <laughs> but it's like nine bucks a month. Mm. You don't get not getting the ads is for me only the tip of the iceberg. They have a whole library of original content, which for the most part is kind of not that good. Okay, it's crap. Okay, to be honest. Okay. Um, huh. But the 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 whole reason I get it is because when you watch somebody's videos with a YouTube ad, uh, YouTube Red uh, subscription, mm-hmm. that creator makes more money off of your view. Oh, and I think it's like three times more. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Now that's so for me, when I heard that, I was like, "This they is should, this is my community, man." Yeah, so they I'm should. Poor, they I'm should to put money into. It. They should actually, you know, bring that out, it, call that out. It would I be didn't nice. know that. Yeah, there because that would resonate with me too. Yeah, because yeah. there are and there are a lot of creators huh. where it's so not only are you not seeing the ad, or in some cases, some videos, ad after ad after ad after ad, <laughs> but the 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 feeling of going from a, U- a computer with YouTube Red to somebody uh-huh. else's YouTube account where they still at, they, they don't have YouTube Red and you're like you got to sit through a thirty second ad yeah. it's crazy because yeah. you sit through five minutes of commercials yeah. for anything you're going to put on TV yeah but I, there's I, that expectation online that like yeah now yeah it's interesting but YouTube I mean, Red is great I, I, I got to check it out I'm, yeah. I'm this close because I'm like I can skip the ad I'm fine with that it's a little annoying and it's, it's still you know, that five second that five seconds the, feels like an eternity yeah, it does especially having and YouTube then they have Red. the fifteen second one that they yeah. force you through like you're saying. Yeah, but then, but see, here's the problem. They they taught me that it's free, so they have yeah. trained me that I shouldn't be paying for. So this. That's part of YouTube's brand, so <laughs> yes. to speak. Yeah, it's and free... now they want money, so it's like I'm. I'm but I'm. I'm YouTube I'm is level. free, but YouTube Red. Yeah, it's plush. It's, it's a beautiful. It's <laughs> yeah. like the Elysian <laughs> Fields. Okay, okay. <laughs> I gotta you, check out the Elysian Fields. Yeah. yeah, nice. When you go through the gates, you don't look back. It is. Is it? Does it look different, or is it just YouTube without the ads? You just feel better about it. You watch a YouTube video, but there's a little thing in your heart that says I'm a little happier. Interesting. Well, maybe for me because I'm a Nine creator. Bucks. But yeah. it's, you know, I mean, I don't, I can see how many YouTube red watches I get as opposed to my regular watches. Oh, interesting. And I don't think it contributes that much more. Gotcha. But again, the ideologue part it's, of me is like on the principle. The principle, I yeah. would, you know, I would yeah. like to do it. I try to support some of the creators that, that I'm able to support. Yeah. And especially people whose stuff that I, I really enjoy. Yeah. And then it's like the fact that I, don't have to see an ad in front of it. It's like it's hey, nice. gravy. It's yeah. very very nice. But so so so, th- so yeah. So we do some of that analytics. You know, how do we use psychology in that particular class? A customer analysis, consumer behavior, and basically marketing is a, an applied discipline. So we, mm. in marketing, what we do is basically take the best of sociology, psychology, cognitive psychology, ethnography, economics. We take all these things and we try to apply them to consumers. How we 
can better you know serve consumers and understand their needs and stuff. So over the course of a semester, how does that class break down? Because yeah. there's a lot of abstract stuff, right? Yeah, totally. So you have to kind of build some sort of framework so totally. people have yeah. they can understand or have some frame of reference. Yes. How does that look or how does that work? Like, what's the first day of class like? <laughs> well, the first day of class, I got to scare them off. So <laughs> you know, I'm coming in a little bit of a little uh, bit. Real quick, just as a quick aside, I found you on RateMyProfessor.com. Oh, okay. Very highly, very highly rated. Okay. However, there was one one-star review. It was okay. Like the red face, uh-huh. and it was like I think the review was just like awful or something like uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. However, uh-huh. it was the very first review. It was like back in 2013, oh, and every review since then has been like four to uh, five. That's interesting. Nothing negative after that. So I was like, interesting. That's what getting better at your job looks yeah, like. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, rate my professor is an interesting platform, right? Because it, it is sort of like separated. It's it very stuff. anonymous. Though, yeah, which is just always like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, the class is the class is extremely well received. We in in this customer analysis class, there's four things, and it's it's what we refer to as STPM. Okay. STPM stands for segmentation, targeting, positioning, messaging. That's all marketing is: segmentation, targeting, positioning, messaging. That's all you're doing in marketing. Are you segmenting your potential audience? Yeah. Or are you segmenting your own company? You well, it could be both. So it depends on like the focus of the particular. Oh, uh, like thing Cabela's, that you're doing. our hunting department versus golf, maybe For sure. two. Yeah. Hundred percent different demographics. Totally different. And so okay. you know, we the entire class is organized organized around those four things, hmm. and we basically just walk through those four things. And at the end of the day, we apply those four things to a real world example, oh, a, cool. a, a company that comes in that wants to work with the students. So, so you get a exciting. new company every every semester. Is it every semester. Yeah. What kind of companies are you working with? So we've done a lot of stuff. We've done stuff with Nike. We've done stuff with Microsoft. Uh, we've done some some big companies that try to come in with a mission critical thing. And it's interesting. Right now, we're doing a, a small startup. Uh, that is called Flavinaturals. And <laughs> yeah, so so they do they're they're interesting. There's two Wharton grads and they basically started a chocolate company that is so they created a chocolate bar in an unsweetened powdered mix that is super high on this thing called cocoflavanols. And so it turns out that there's a science behind this particular antioxidant. And if you take between 500 to 1,000 milligrams of this stuff a day, there's all these documented clinical benefits that are in the scientific literature about arterial blood flow, brain function, skin, all this kind of stuff. So they were like, we're going to create a, a dark chocolate bar. And I was say, it always seems dark chocolate. I always yeah. hear people saying, like, antioxidant, dark yeah. chocolate. Yeah, yeah. But this is interesting because they're Flavinaturals. That's the brand, Flavinaturals, is the only chocolate bar that you can get that has, like, 500 milligrams wow. of this thing. And they've spent three years trying to be able to to be able to do that but make it not taste terrible right and so that's a key i found yeah <laughs> yeah right i mean as as workout guys you know we we have a certain tolerance for bad tasting i consider things. myself kind of an ex-workout guy I've, I've gained 30 pounds in the last three years oh is that right interesting yeah. and it's yeah. not all muscle in fact it, i would say none of it's muscle <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah yeah it's hard right because but that's part, part of their thing is like is there a way to give people a treat that it's kind of like it's it's chocolate, but it, it's kind of it's good for you. It has this thing in it that's like really really good for you, and kind of gives you a license to kind of indulge, but also do something right. healthy. So we're working like with doing them. something good. When yeah. You're- so we're working with them on segmentation, targeting, positioning, messaging this term. And what kind of what kind of like applicable things are you giving to that company? Is it yeah. is it is it just data? Mm-hmm. Is it recommendate if you hire a designer yeah. to build your website? Yeah. Look at doing things that are more like this. Yeah, it's all of the above. I got 210 students. And each of them, there's 30 groups of five to seven. Shoot. And, yeah, they're going to produce uh, basically a PowerPoint deck that says you should do X, Y, and Z. 
Uh, but it could be across their Facebook platform. It could be across their messaging on the website. It could be a lot of different areas that are open to whatever the students are interested in. Mm. So it's going to be pretty cool at the end. They're coming back on April 30th, May 1st, uh, so the students can present. So in my class, by the way, there's no, I don't do tests. There's no tests. There's only my kind like of class. Yeah, it's, it's like I don't I don't want to waste your time testing you know Nathaniel's memory. Can you put stuff in your head and then right. write it down? I already forget what the oh no the S stands for segmentation. Yeah, <laughs> well my, maybe I need to test you. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, but so we do to your point earlier when you were asking Nathaniel, we just try to do applied stuff. So we'll do the group project is sort of like the final exam, and uh, they'll present. The company will come and the students will present for them for twenty minutes each group, and uh, the company will help me grade the projects. How do you flunk? <laughs> is it just you just don't show up? Yeah. You just don't do any of the work? Yeah, it's hard to flunk. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty reasonable dude. You know, I understand that folks, you know, pe- you, people are busy. I understand they're doing a million things. So it's hard to flunk my class. You've got to basically just not show up. What but, happened What happened to your goatee, by yeah, the way? Yeah, you know what? I, saw, like, I, I, I yeah. saw you growing it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, been th- I've been thinking if you Google UFC ref uh-huh. Mike Beltron, uh-huh. he has this handlebar mustache that Ooh. goes down to like his waist. Oh, wow. It looks sick. I'm, I'm in the process of trying to convince my wife because uh-huh. I want to grow it. I want to grow That's it. Fantastic. It'll probably take me three or four years. Yeah, but yeah. down past the waist, yeah. you just have this mustache, you like rubber band it together or whatever. Nice. It looks yeah. awesome. Plus, just from a branding standpoint, yeah. oh yeah, that guy who does the videos online about tech and design, and he's got the mustache. You know who I'm talking about, yeah, the mustache yeah. guy. Because yeah, yeah. right now, I'm just like, what am I? You know yeah. what I mean? I'm, yeah, totally. You know, I got As the you... big nose. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you, you think about these aesthetics when you're building the brand. I was doing the goatee for a while, Nathaniel, because I kind of was, you know, wanted a little bit of a different look. Uh, there were no other professors that that I knew that you know, and then it allows you when you're teaching to kind of do yeah, this. Yeah, right. You always look pondering. more intelligent. Look, yeah, <laughs> but I decided to cut it though because it turns out uh, this Saturday I'm doing a um, I'm giving a TED talk. So oh, you know, yeah, so w- someone who advised me said, listen, you know, if you're going to do a TED talk and this is going to you're going to put the TED talk on your website, for, you know, for the next five years, then you want to think, do you want to have this for the next five years? And I was you, probably going to grow cut it, it back in, yeah. in a few months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what so. are you doing the TED talk on? So TED talk will be on something called identity loyalty. Very much consistent with what I've been sort of describing with what I study in my research. And basically, but talking about marketing. See, here's the thing, Nathaniel. People think, people like talk about marketing in a, like it's an evil thing. Like it's, you know, pe- you know, getting consumers to buy stuff they don't need. Right. And manipulating people. And marketing yeah. is evil and gotcha. Bad. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'm get, my talk's going to be about, you know, marketing is like anything. You give it in bad hands and it can be used for evil, but it can also be a very powerful source of in- inspiration and motivation. Hmm. And so I'll be talking about like brands as, as a source of power and empowerment for people. Like how do you create like a health identity through brands? How do you create like a professional identity through brands and things of that nature? So trying to put like a bit of a positive spin on marketing. You just all you gotta do is figure out a nice clickbaity title and you'll have one of the most popular TED talks <laughs> there you go. on their YouTube That's channel. right. And and apparently I also need like a you know, I need a, a, a shortcut button with text, right? Yeah. <laughs> this well, is what we have learned from yeah. uh, the great conference, right? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Is it going to be Ted here in Philly? Yeah, Ted. Yeah, so it's not full time. It's not big, big stage Ted. It's TEDx Penn. So okay. it'll be here over in uh, the Annenberg Center here. Hey, on that's right. You yeah. know, better than TEDx, my living room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll be probably like a thousand there. people there. Yeah, so be that's fun. super cool, man. Yeah, that's be really fun. neat. Yeah. Um, so what? Uh, what's been like the the biggest? I don't know because you 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 definitely strike me as somebody who your classes are a little yeah. maybe unorthodox, yes, right? Yes, they are. Maybe unstructured in a good sort of way. Yeah, they, I view unstructured as allowing creativity to live sure. and breathe. For sure, right? What's been like the biggest 
obstacle to overcome. Mm. I mean, you're working here at an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you got centuries of yeah. of ideas, yeah. right? Yeah. The way things are supposed to be, yeah. but the way you think things should be, maybe mm-hmm. is not the way that you know Jack, whoever down the hallway thinks things ought to be. Totally. So, what's been? Has there been any yeah. stuff like that you had to work with or convince people internally, or is it kind of like? Have at it, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very entrepreneurial. Um, you know, it's a challenge here. Uh, you know, I'll be uh, you know, absolutely blunt about it. Like being one of maybe now seven black people here out of 240 professors is, is challenging. Kenneth. Yeah. Yeah, He's exactly. Awesome, dude. He's gone, yeah. though. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. When yeah. did that happen? Yeah, this is about maybe last year. Talking about Kenneth Shropshire, who's yeah. a sports One of law. your clients. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Yeah, he's at Arizona State now with his wow. center for, like, the, uh, the official Adidas Center for Sports Management or something like <laughs> he's that. He's all about He's yeah, all yeah. about that. He's such a great guy, he's a man. He's a great dude. My, one yeah. of my mentors here. But I remember showing up in 2000, 18 years ago, and, you know, but the numbers were about the same then as well. But I would get comments on my class evaluations. That would say things like going back to your your rate your professor uh, (laughs) comment. We would say things like, wow, you know, you're so articulate. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know? so smart like, for well, a black I, I guy. Know. It's like, you know, what did you think I was gonna like come in with my pants down and like um, bust out into a rap or something? Uh, you know, so that's a, that's a challenge. I mean, because and, that's next week. Yeah, that's right. That's next. That, that's right. That's the yeah, positioning lecture. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll be waving a towel and I'll have some gold teeth. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I'll bring everybody in the class some watermelon and chicken. Um, but anyway, so you know, so that, that that's a challenge. And you know, quite honestly, Nathaniel, I can't do certain things that my white colleagues can do in the classroom and get away with it you know so i can't beat them up in a certain way beat them up being like right yeah, like yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and i can't I figured since you were a black guy you actually meant physically yeah right which i which i would love to do actually sometimes you know when i get these late assignments i, I hey. know i know a professor yeah. from a, another university who i'm not going to name who the kind of dirty laundry they air on their facebook i don't know how oh, wow. they still have a job it's don't get me wrong it is hilarious uh, looking at it from the outside that's in funny. but i get i don't know if he just doesn't have people who work at the university uh, kind of checking out what he's saying uh, but it is hilarious that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a bit of a challenge you know it, it's I t- i'll tell you this nathaniel it's hard R- race is hard gender is really hard Gender is very, very hard. There's a recent research study that came out that basically shows that female professors – it's very interesting. Female professors are rated lower, conditional on the same content. They are also – in the someone did a text analysis on the open-ended comments about comparing female professors and male professors. And female professors are, off, are less likely to be called professor in the opening uh, – open-ended comments, more likely to be called teacher, and more likely to get comments that are about their looks, their personality – uh, compared to men who are more likely to be called professor and get comments about you know how good they are, how quality of the competence. What do you think that is? Yeah. What do you like? Is it a cultural thing? Is it is yeah. it human nature? Is it? I mean, I, I we tread into some you know crazy yeah. water when it comes to some of the you know potential social justice warrior backlash type stuff. But <laughs> if you're interested in actually solving an issue, you yeah. have to be able to talk about it, you right? Got to absolutely. And and because I, I I like there's a guy James Damore out of Google who published that thing about. Yep. Uh, female engineers or coders yep. or whatever. He was out. I, yeah, I, but yep. I kind of thought he made some valid points. Yep. I didn't think he was coming across as crazy. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, you can say I don't agree with what you're saying, but yeah. he seemed pretty reasoned and he was citing what he was talking about. Yes. yes. So I, is it is it something where because you have somebody like a mother in your life, you mm-hmm. you just 
it's bred into or not being yeah. bred into you, but just like like do animals look at a female animal different than a male? I don't know. Like I like, where yeah. does it come from? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I yeah. I look at myself. I know like on the inside, I know how I think about men and women, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would intentionally not refer to a female professor as professor. Right. However, data might show that I do that if Correct. I was put into a Correct. situation Correct. where that took place. Correct. And the argument isn't that, I think to your point, Nathaniel, the argument isn't that it's intentional. The argument well, that I, it could be implicit. Right. And, yeah. that, and but that and that's where I wonder like yeah. what what drives that? Yeah. I think I think a lot of it. It's, you know, it's nature nurture, so it's, it's going to be hard to disentangle that. But I think that, you know, we are raised to sort of see in previous roles in society, women as nurturers and caregivers and things of that nature. So it's interesting because female professors are more likely to be asked to, to do things from students. Like, can you help me? Can you, can I come to office hours? You know, can I, and, and they're really pressed for their time more mm-hmm. often than male professors. Like, Students are more likely to go to a female professor and request something, and when the female professor says no, more likely to push back and say, well, why not, (laughs) as opposed to a male professor who won't get asked in the first place. And if he is asked and he says no, that's the end of it. Right, you assume that. (laughs) But I think part of it comes from – It is interesting. Well, and I've noticed just totally anecdotally because I haven't done any research on it. I've noticed a lot of the women in my life are way more willing to go and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Whereas I sit there, I'm like, I'm going to figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not, even like dumb stuff like, hey, could you tell me what aisle the the, the balsamic vinaigrette is in or whatever? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it can be right. the most dumb, mundane. It, it takes 30 seconds. Just go do it. Right. I Forget about whether I'm asking a man or a woman. I find that myself as a guy mm-hmm. won't go and ask for help because I want to figure it out. Yeah, I can handle it. I got this. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there, I mean, my wife, she'll ask anybody anything at any time if, mm-hmm. she, need, if she needs something. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where if I'm with her, I'll just be like, let's just figure it out. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But and she's not the only one. I mean, she's just a very, you know, easy to grab at example because she's right there. Gotcha. And I've often like I've just personally thought about like, I wonder what like what is that dynamic yeah. where she's so willing to go out there yeah. and be a part of it. Like I'll I'll I will make conversation with anybody about anything. Mm-hmm. I you know I got pulled over the other day and I told the police officer to his face I wanted to punch him but I couldn't because he had a taser. And he <laughs> he like looked at me like did you really wow. just say that? <laughs> and then he started laughing. Yeah. And then we started talking about the guns in his car and what it's like to be a cop and all this stuff. You know, we had like a half hour conversation. Yeah, and it's like, I'm not happy with what she just did to me, mm-hmm. but I'll still sit here and have a conversation. I'm going to sure. make it worth mm-hmm. make worth the money I'm about now, to pay. I, I would not have done that. That would not have ended well for me. <laughs> but there's, so, but it, right, and it's stuff like that yeah. that I wonder, yeah. you know, it's not that I'm not willing to go out and have conversation or even risky. Like that to me is the epitome of risky conversation. Totally, totally. Like you could take the taser out and use it on me and be like, totally. son, I'm going to show you. You yeah, know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> but there's a part of me where it's like, I don't care. I mean, yeah. go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we are living in a world now where, to your point, going back to this Google employee that was dropped like a right. ton of bricks, it's like companies are nervous. And they're is like, that Google trying to protect their brand? Absolutely. In the face of absolutely. what isn't an unreasonable, it's an emotional, absolutely. like an emotional outburst leads to something like that yeah. when the reason behind it absolutely. is from, from everything we can tell at this point in time absolutely. seems to be pretty absolutely. reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. And when, you know, if someone comes out and says, you know, I'm going to accuse this person in your company of harassment. Yeah. Like they're, basically now the, the rule book is, well, we'll throw them out, him or her out, throw them out and, and we'll sort investigate it out later. later. Yeah. You know, because if it does come out that this happened, then you're right. gonna you're still gonna get a lot of and and you're really gonna look bad. Like, why didn't yeah. you get rid of him right away? Yeah, it is difficult because yeah. you're innocent until proven guilty, but 
in a corporate environment, yeah. it's the rules are what that's the right. rules. That's right, and in the court of public opinion too. Right. It's like, well, it's yeah, totally that's different thing. yeah. Try to yeah. apologize to a mob and see how that works. Out. <laughs> yeah, right. right. That will end badly as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you're pretty into fitness. I am totally changing. Oh, the, I love it. So yeah, I, I always describe when I'm when I'm talking about you to other people. Uh-huh. Um, I always describe you as one of the only people I've ever met in my life who can lean forward because I'll never forget we were down on uh-huh. Kelly Drive. <laughs> Doing a shoot with your we cycle, yeah. and you had—I don't know what kind of shirt it was. I called it the ab shirt because uh, just had to cut out just to like show up for people that have abs, <laughs> right? I, the only person who can lean forward uh, and still have his abs. That's funny. Because normally you lean forward and you get just a little blurble, blurble, blurble. You yeah, know, even yeah. if at normal, yeah, you know, you yeah. you still got this. Hey, dude, are you sure you didn't Photoshop those abs in later? I, I might have accentuated them <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I, I still get compliments on those pictures that you took. I still, I'm still to to this day, people go to That's my website. That's crazy because so I look, I look back. To be honest, I look back and I'm like, I could. They're not that good. Really? Like techni- technically. I mean, they're, of course, they're great because you're in them. Interesting. But, <laughs> <laughs> but from, a te- from a technical standpoint, yeah. there's a lot I would do differently now. Interesting. I just had someone last week say, I went to your website. When was that done? I said 2013. Was like, that was one of the most best. That was the most incredible <laughs> websites I've ever seen. Who did that? And I give them your story. The, I'll, I, I'll be honest on your website because I, I designed your website. Yep. How? Was you, 2013 is that when it was? 2013. Was a while did all the pictures? It still drives me crazy yeah. that there's a search bar that's like one pixel off. I <laughs> and I I got to go back and look at it because I'm funny. sure there's one little thing I can tweak now. But at the time, yeah. I'm sure I like yeah. slay. I was slaving over a hot computer. Like, yeah. how do I get this one pixel totally. in the place? See, you're, you're pointing to something really interesting, Nathaniel. <laughs> it also relates to my you know, love of fitness, and that is the perfection. Like one of the reasons why I work out is like I'm trying to be better at stuff I do that has nothing to do with working out, and mm. that helps feed that. But to your point, I mean, when we did that photo shoot, that was a fantastic photo shoot. You know, I really wanted to sort of say that you know I may not look like this forever. I may not be super fit forever. Let me capture this so that people who know me can still. Yeah. I can always say, you know what, I used to be fit, even if one day I'm not fit. So. And I, uh, I photographed a woman who she she was diagnosed with cancer, oh. and she knew things were about to get pretty bad. Oh wow. And she wanted pictures kind of before things started going downhill. Cause she's like, I want people oh, to wow. like, I want people Remember to know me. who I was. Yeah, yeah right, I was. Yeah. There's yeah. been that, and and on the flip side, I photographed the woman, family. In fact, she had just, I believe, she had just finished beating cancer. Okay. And she's like, I beat cancer. I had a pair of twins. It's a year later, and now it's time for my celebratory photo shoot. Oh, nice. And it was this kind of thing That's where fantastic. it's, you know, I can lock this moment right yeah. here forever. It was, Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. It was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you to your point, I love fitness. There's something about – here's the thing, though. I grew up um, – sort of my mother would, took us to – I have a, a sister who's older than me, 18 months older than me. And I remember being 14 years old and being taken to a Bally's to get a membership – my mother was just into this thing. She was like the old Jane Fonda with the leg warmers, and she was like the you know the, the aerobics, the, the aerobics queen, and all that. Richard so she, Simmons, I know, right? So she's going to get her workout in. So she drug us along, and we got the family membership. And um, I, rem- I, n- I never forget this thing. I remember the the smell of the chlorine and the and the silver Nautilus. Nautilus was big then, like the, the machines were <laughs> yeah, like right. first came out. Yeah, and I remember just that moment, like sort of having that identity of like, oh, I'm going to be a, a workout person. And I remember just kind of going through life. That was who I was. And I, it was like several years later before I met people who like didn't work out during lunchtime. I thought that was just everybody. I just thought that's what you do. You know? <laughs> so, going to the gym after lunch? Yeah. Like, right. what, what, what are you gym? talking about? Who's gym? <laughs> New employee? Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so going back to this notion of identity, 
uh, it just was part of who I was. And mm-hmm. so it's it's easier for me to maintain it only because it goes so far back to my you know 14 years old doing that stuff. Is it something you think you're just going to do till the day you Absolutely. drop dead? Absolutely, to the day I drop dead. That's I may be actually awesome. doing an actual curl yeah, right. when, I, when I drop dead. They come in, rigor mortis is set in, the 35-pound dumbbell in yeah. your hand. I, I love the way it makes me feel, though. The endorphins yeah. are fantastic, and it just you know this, too. Yeah, you, you I always tell people. Well. Yeah. Sets your day off, Because there are right? people who are like, oh, I love the results from working out but not working out. And I'm like, I think either you're not working out right or maybe you haven't really worked out much. Right. You see people who are working out, and you're like, oh, I'd like to look like that. See, for me, it's not even about the way I look. Mm-hmm. I The moment that it co- sort of clicked for me, mm-hmm. I was like 14 years old. There was this old crappy community center. I grew up in a pretty bad neighborhood. Wow. Um there was this old crappy community center, and I would go down there. I was like 14, 13 or 14. I went into the weight room there, uh-huh. and I started lifting. And within a few weeks, there were some other kids in the neighborhood who, you know, we play basketball together. We do all these different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, let's try to bench press. Uh-huh. And I smoked them all. Really? And I was like, as a 14-year-old, I was like, all right, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And like, so for me, going to the gym has never been about getting in shape per se, gotcha. but about getting stronger. Gotcha. I don't care mm-hmm. if my tricep is this big versus my bicep that big right. versus, oh, I've got this much body fat. I mean, maybe there's a small part of me that, yeah, would I, would I rather be 350 pounds or 180 pounds? Right. I'd take 180, right? Right. right. But there's also health benefits to it. That's true. But it's mainly about I'd rather be 240 and able to lift 600 pounds over my head than 180 and struggle to, you know, press 130. Right. Right? I'm not saying I can lift 600 over my head. Wow. I did squat squat 500 once. Wow. Once. (laughs) How far down did you go? Not far enough to tear my knees up. Okay, okay. Uh, but, but it was a legit. I, it was a legit I mean, rep. It was. It wasn't like butt to the ground. Gotcha. gotcha. But it was legit enough for me. I mean, Close just lifting it off the rack felt legit enough to me. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I've lot, gone man. further than most men at this point. Yeah, that's a lot. I man. did put it on camera. I like. I filmed it on my iPhone. I got to find the old video. It was my old iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, but purely because I figured if I blow both my knees out or break my back, I at least can make some money off the YouTube video. No <laughs> joke. It's like 100 percent of the reason why. I, that's funny. <laughs> exactly why i filmed it so your thing was about strength it was all about strength Uh and it was you know and growing up having worked out from a relatively young age i got a bow flex and put it in my bedroom and yeah i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna work out Mm -hmm. um and it was you know i would go out and do some construction stuff with my dad Mm -hmm. and and you know there'd always be people like whoa you can handle lifting that like as it's 14 15 i'd be like "Uh, you know it's (laughs) it's no big deal but in my mind i'm like i can't lift that can i I mean there's always like that part of it right um but no it was always just about the strength for me i don't know i i looked at it like i want it to be something usable i want i i always had this like i don't know if you call it a fantasy but i always wanted to be able to grab like a 200 pound person Mm -hmm. by the scruff of their neck and lift them up and press them against a wall Mm. i thought the day i can do that I will have achieved the goal that oh, I've set wow. out to do. As like bizarrely random as that is, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I, I don't go around grabbing people. Right. But I just thought if I ever need to, yeah, I, I at least know I could do it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. for whatever for whatever it's worth, whatever it's, it's worth. <laughs> yeah. no, I love it. I love it. I love just the way it sets your day off. Yeah. It's uh. It just it puts you in a mindset to to be productive, and I love the way oh, that sure. feels. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a whole. Di- you can wake up drowsy. Go to the gym, work out for twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and you're set. Twenty minutes, yeah. 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 And you know, try to work out for more than that, but yeah, yeah. baby steps, <laughs> a though. step, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. toe right. hold becomes a foot. That's right. That's pretty cool. Awesome. So uh, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up. The okay. question that I try to ask every guest. Oh wow! Wait a minute. Now I'm getting nervous. <laughs> the question I try to ask every guest: do What you is the have, meaning of life? Do you, well, that too. That's coming later. <laughs> do you have any irrational fears, phobias, things you're scared of, things you have terrors of in the night? As they can be as bizarrely random as you want them to be, mm. but I expect no man has no fear. No woman either. Yeah. 
hearkening back to our earlier conversation. Totally, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> no, no man has no fear. There's yeah. got to be something out there that yeah. you're that you have because I have a weird phobia. The one that that because somebody asked me, oh. "What's your rational fear of phobia?" Mine's just bizarre. Oh wow! But but it's not like heights or anything like that. Okay, but. Okay, now, now I'm curious. I got to hear well, this first. So, so, my, so weird. My, my phobia is when a dog comes up to you, they always sniff your crotch. <laughs> and I'm always wow. waiting for – I didn't see that one I'm coming. I'm always <laughs> waiting for the wolf of Chernobyl uh-huh. to just go ah! – Oh my and, god! And, and no matter how well trained the dog is, it just grabs and latches. Interesting, yeah. And like I've had some kids, mm-hmm. but I still want the option. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, interesting. Um, and what for whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. this little like tick in the back of my head. Interesting. I'd rather jump off the side of the Empire State Building. Uh-huh. Then I mean, not not like I see a dog coming up to me and I run, but I'm like, I go to DefCon a... Five. Yeah, I'm like, I'm keeping my eye on you, kid, and I'm right. gonna. Gra- you don't. Hell hath not yeah. seen wrath like this. But only this. certain types of dogs, not like poodles, right? Poodles are you know, anything like, that's getting up around there. <laughs> anything that's getting up that's around there. Like you sense it's, it. You feel it's, it. It's it's. Yeah. I have no. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's just the most random thing in yeah, the world. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, that's interesting. I guess my fear. You know, I have lots of fears in terms of like I don't certainly want to be bitten in the crotch by a wolf. I'll say that. But I guess my biggest fear is the fear of waking up one day and not not really having a purpose that's my biggest fear in other words like i have certain things i want to achieve certain goals passions i want to pursue dreams i have but every single day i get up i feel like i want to do this my biggest fear is waking up one day and not wanting to do it Mm. and like what would i do yeah, what would you do? Yeah, I don't, or that, you don't know. That, I don't know. That's just that terrifies me because it's, it's sort of like, well, what is my purpose? Why? What am I doing? Um, and from a fear perspective, I think fear is very important because someone once said that you know that someone who is is brave is not someone that who has no fear, right? But that courage is really the choice to do something that you fear, but that the thing that you're going to do that you fear is more important than fear. I was just reading Jerry yeah. Spence's book, How to Win Your Case. Yeah. The famous, very yeah, yeah. famous trial lawyer, right? right. Never, he lost a civil suit in like 1969. Other than that, it's a flawless record, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a whole chapter in his book where he's talking about, it's such a good book, by the way. But he has a chapter in there where he talks about fear and the fear, every time you go into the courtroom, it's like we're doing battle. Yeah. And he kind of talks about fear as a motivator, but not really. Mm-hmm. He kind of talks like he's ahead of his time. Mm. You know what I mean? Like now, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm coming into my own as as a young adult, mm-hmm. where I'm realizing, whoa, people talk about stuff like this. But he's talking about this stuff. Well, I guess he wrote the book in the early 2000s, so not too far ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. But the way he talks about fear is really interesting in terms of yeah, like what you said. You're not you're not brave because you're not afraid of something. That just means you're an idiot half the time, right? <laughs> right. If you're not afraid of jumping off a building, you're an idiot. Right. But if you have a parachute and you jump off the building, maybe jumping off the building is a bad. If if I, if somebody if somebody's yeah. holding somebody hostage and you run into the, like there's just recently there was that French situation over in Paris where the police officer turned himself in, knowing full well he was probably going to die. Right. 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 But you release those hostages for whatever it was fifty people or whatever it was, and I'll put myself in there. He did it knowing full well right. there's a high likelihood I'm going to die, and he right. ended up. Getting killed, right, right. To mm-hmm. me, that is the such an epitome of bravery. Right. You knew a hundred percent what you were doing, right, and you still did it, right. Whereas if it was just like some you know bozo walking in, they're like, oh, take me, right. you know, that's right. <laughs> it's that's just right. you're just you're an idiot. Yeah, I think fear <laughs> is a very important emotion. I think it's yeah. evolutionarily speaking, it's what uh, helps us survive because we know what not to approach and what what to avoid. But you know, for me, the, this notion of fear is something that I, I, I experience. Like every time I walk into the, I'm doing this 18 years. Every time I walk into the classroom, I'm a little bit nervous. 
I don't want to say I feel fear. Can't but get I'm that like, second awful review on Rate yeah, My Podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I got, I have to erase it. Uh, but I think it's. I think it is a powerful motivator. And for me, like the, my biggest fear really is this idea of, you know, not feeling like. I have something that I need to chase. Mm. And I don't know what would happen if I didn't have that. Would I shut down? Would I turn into like an emotional just kind of, you know, what what would happen? I'm not sure. And maybe that, maybe part of my fear is fear of not knowing what if would happen. If brands go away tomorrow, <laughs> that's right. what would I do? What would happen if there were no Nike? I have no idea. <laughs> um, but so that that's kind of the way I think about it. More mm. like more, more Maslowian, more self-actualization, you know, like what's my purpose? I always want to feel like, you probably feel this too. It's like you, you get up super early, you sleep two or three hours. I wouldn't say super early. But, you, but you, don't you yeah. have in your mind, you have a purpose. You're like, you know, here's what I'm going to do today. And here's why it's important that I do yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, every passionate about yeah, it. every night before I go to bed, I kind of have a game plan yeah. of well, on on the macro, uh-huh. yeah, what I'm shooting for, even if you know, like the target's out there, and yeah. I'm going to figure out the steps to get there, totally. kind of thing. But yeah. why do you do that though? Well, I, wait, let me well, ask you this: how, how would you feel if if you woke up and you didn't have that drive to do it? Would your identity? I mean, be I gone? would say, "Buck up, Buttercup." Oh, is that get right? Get back to work. Uh-huh. I mean, that's probably what I would yourself, do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and I well, because I because I I feel like. You don't, I, you don't know how you're going to get to that target until a lot of times you've gotten there and you look back over your shoulder and it's like, oh, there mm-hmm. was that. I made that stupid loop there. What the heck was I thinking? That was kind of an But are you afraid loop. you're going to run out of targets? No. Okay. No, because I, 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 I feel like there's always going to be something that I can figure out how to do. Maybe it's the I'm young and naive probably. <laughs> but Young and full I, of energy. I, yeah. I feel, I feel yeah. like that's so. it. A part, part of my fear that – and like I remember telling this to my wife on one of the first times we ever got together – I I would like to like I would like to be a name that 500 years from now people know who I am. Mm, I you know what I mean? Yeah. Cuz how many people how many people can do that? Yeah. How many people, you know, how many how I was just talking to to my sister about this on the drive down here. Mm-hmm. How many people know how many Caesars? It was the Roman Empire for crying out loud. Yet right. we only remember like the really spectacular ones. Right. 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 Who was that one that was three back from uh, the Caesar that got stabbed on the Ides of March? Yeah. Right. right. What about that Caesar? Yeah. Were any, were any stories about him? Yeah. Cleopatra. Who was before Cleopatra? Who came after Cleopatra? Right. right? Where was King Tut? Right. You know what I mean? When, when did Tutankhamun show up on the scene? <laughs> right. Right? right. So like we know the names, but what about the people around them? What about Tutankhamun's butler? He might have been a cool dude. Right. But yet we don't know anything, don't about, know anything him. about him. Right. He might have had the snazziest hair. Cut it literally in the history of the world. <laughs> don't know a bleeding thing about it. Right, right. And that so that that's part of it. And also, I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy laying in my coffin mm. and people are just like, yeah, he lived his life, basic. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Right. Like yeah. the so you what? You want to take chances? Yeah. I mean, everything in my life. Dance on the edge between chaos yeah. and and order, mm. and that's where like the magic is yeah. in my mind. Yeah. That's, that's where, where the it living is. happens. Yeah, and it's I don't like anybody can anybody can live the boring, right? right? You can get up, you can you can do this, you can do that. You can take your t-shirt off like a normal person or you can rip one sleeve up over your head just because it's a different way of doing things. Right. And I find myself doing things differently. Uh-huh. Most of the time, just because it's different. Interesting. Just because it's different. You're a natural marketer then, because that's basically what a really good brand does is to like differentiate itself, you know, like do something I, completely I, different <laughs> and unexpected. And 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 to be able to leverage it better than I do, maybe that's you know that's that's where I need your help. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. I I forgot to the two things I forgot to mention earlier on. Your daughter. Yes. You um, you're one of the first people that I ever met who was teaching their child two languages yes. right out of the womb. Yes. Now I just recently was talking to somebody mm-hmm. who was taught. I believe she was taught Dutch 
and English oh, wow. right out the womb. <laughs> and uh, well, not right. You know what I mean. <laughs> that, that phrase throws me off. It's like wow. It's like hand me the baby. Okay, clean it. Okay, now right. it's you know. First lesson. Yes. Um, she was telling me uh-huh. that she has looked into or done some research or something. Smart lady. She see smart for a lady, <laughs> right? It's interesting, interesting. But yeah, I yeah. did refer to you as a smart guy too. Yeah, you did. So, so I do. I do it to tape. a lot of people. I do, that's right. <laughs> um, she was telling me that kids who learn two or more languages, oh, yes. they develop slower initially. Yes, but at a certain point, they, they take off like a bat out of hell. Yeah. And it's this trajectory that it, there's nothing else like it, like teaching your child two languages totally. out of the gate. Totally. Opens up their mind. It creates all these really interesting. The, the 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 brain is wired differently from from the from the jump, and so yeah, they'll be they'll they'll actually end up speaking later, but when they do start, there is this like super amplified acceleration. You're like progress. you're basically a foreign diplomat by the time you begin speaking, <laughs> right? That's right. I mean, That's she right. what she learned Spanish and Sp- English, Spanish correct? and English. Yes, and now she knows a little bit of German, so she's working on some German as well, and she's working on a little bit of Japanese as well. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gonna be a globe trotter. Yeah, she, <laughs> but she's interested. We got her a uh, we got her a passport when she was four months old. Wow. Yeah, that's, and that's we've been taking her. Yeah, she's she's like totally comfortable like being in different countries. And I think that's important too because I think part of what's important is to see that is to get the is to understand that the world is not centered around you. There's lots of different types of people, cultures, all that kind of stuff. And so we wanted to show her that as early as we could. And people that are very proud of their culture. Yeah. I've often thought. There are people who are willing to fight and die, oh, lose yeah. their one life oh, to yeah. protect a tract of land in Mozambique. Yeah. I would – you know what I mean? And they're not happy to do it, but they're very willing to do it. Totally. That idea of – getting back to the idea of identity, yeah. attaching you to something that to me or you might mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. Would I go to Singapore and die to protect some whatever on the dock in Singapore? No. Heck right. no. Right. I'd be jumping off the dock into the water looking for a boat to get the heck out of there. Yeah. But – that that idea yeah. is something that is to me. Yeah. I mean, it's not crazy, but crazy to me. Well, it's interesting. I mean, this is part of the reason why I decided to study identity. I was one of these doctoral students. I showed up in 1995 to do the PhD, and I knew I wanted to study identity, partly because of what you're saying. It's just such a powerful motivator. It's hard to think of any behaviors that exist that somehow don't have implications for how someone's going to see you. And so how people self-regulate and manage that is something that I've been interested in for a long time and have been studying it for 24 years now. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Awesome. Uh, also, your childhood. You grew up in Atlanta. I did, Atlanta, Georgia. How did you find your way up here to Wharton? <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming you didn't put out a Craigslist ad. And they were like, "There's our guy." That's yeah, no, the- no. I was like, I was going to be a musician outright. And um, it's interesting. I, mi- I, I I missed that period because now musicians can, because of social media, can create their own following and like actually like make a living. Yeah. Doing music now. Yeah, like bands you never heard of are bands, making a decent making, living. Making a decent yeah. living. When we came out though, it was like you basically had to tour and you basically got up at, at you know noon. And you did the bar thing for free pizza and beer, and that's what I was doing. And I, good I, for a little while. Good but for a little while. Not if you want to get married. Not if you want to get married. Not if you want to eat. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, so I, I sort of started looking for ways that I could uh, be entrepreneur. Here's the other thing, thing I hate uh, bosses. So I don't want to right. – I hate authority. I I'm hate right when there people, with you. People tell me what to do. I'll Part do the reason opposite. why I said what I said to the cop. Yeah, <laughs> right. Be careful though. <laughs> that guy's got a gun uh, and a taser. But you know, it's interesting because I, I don't I, I don't want to have authority. I don't, I don't want people to control my time. So it mm. turns out that academia is this beautiful 
interface between entrepreneurialism but also structure. So it's like I can study whatever I want to study. That's the beauty of tenure. Uh, but yeah, the right. school gives me structure and mm. support. And so like I get to be kind of an entrepreneur of ideas but still have like a structure that's going to support what I'm doing. So I kind of fell into academia because of my desire not to have a boss and not to be told what I'm doing with my time. And so I went and did the Ph.D., and I came up here in 2000. Uh, to start the job here at uh, at the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, and you know it's been a fun ride ever since, man. <laughs> well, how did so you got your PhD down south? Yeah, I got my PhD down south. I went to so I was failing. I failed all my classes. I was I had F's. I was on like, like every good and successful person. <laughs> yeah, right. Fail, flunk, get me out of school. Get oh, me now, out of school. Now I hated Bill school. Gates. Totally. Yeah, right. I, I totally hated school. I was totally bored with it. It was awful. That goes back to your hatred of authority, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and just yeah, absolutely. And just sort of being told that classes were just not interesting. And uh, so I was on academic probation. My dad pulled me aside, and he's like, listen, you got to do something with your life. So I started uh, – <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun talk. That's a fun talk. Listen, yeah. son, come here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Had that talk on the top of Stone Mountain. You know, you, you, your dad is like holding you over the edge, and it's like, uh, that's your life, son. What are you going to do? It's like, see, I think I, I'm not going to – I envy the fact that your dad was able to hold you out over the edge of Stone yeah, Rock by yeah. the <laughs> – That's right. By the, by the collar, and it's like this is a very metaphorical uh, experience for you. Uh, and then I turned it around, and I just started studying hard. I was at Georgia State University. I got the, my last year of doing a bachelor's of business administration. Got four That was great. And then mm-hmm. I did a master's, two masters there. And uh, I was just like, I love being a student. I, I look at myself like I'm a twenty three, twenty third year student. And uh, some here's the thing, Nathaniel. This is probably similar to you too. I, I'll bet it's actually identical to you. Is that you know I get up every day and I do something I love to do and somebody pays me to do it, which is just crazy, yeah. you know? It's I, like, I find that I don't, like, I need to force myself to stop at the end of the day. Yes, that's the double-edged sword. Yeah, because, because if I work, don't... Because it's like you're just doing, you're yeah. doing you. And if I don't, yeah. it, it fouls up everything. Because yeah. then it's like, wow, yeah. I just worked 20 hours. Yeah. What in the world? What now the this world? is going to mess up my schedule for the rest totally, of the week. right? But, you, yeah. but that's the, the beautiful thing about it is when it's not, when it's your passion and it doesn't work, it's not being encoded in your mind as work. Right. So you, but you need boundaries to where it's like, okay, now I got to stop this, be with the family, or, you know, whatever, so that you don't just become this, you know, sort of mono thing where you're just doing yeah. this one thing. What was your dad like? Dad. Oh, I've heard of him before. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, he, was, he worked all the time. Yeah, he's that That's guy. Right. He comes in every now and again, you know, yeah. has dinner from 7 to 7.09, and then he goes back to that thing, <laughs> right. and, he's thing and he's doing it in the studio there. Yeah, you know? exactly. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I struggle with that, but at the same time, it's like I, I sort of pinch myself. It's like, wow. It's like I get up and I read and I study things and I learn things, learn about things that I really am interested in, and somebody writes a check for me to do that. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, and for myself, I... I there are certain things that I try to do every single day. Like I just recently, a few months ago, started sketching oh, just because nice. I'm terrible at Dude, drawing. Dude, you're multi-talented. And, and I just spent – those like 15 like, minutes a day. what are you not going to do? Like, I mean, <laughs> what's next? Like you're going to be a rodeo clown for a couple <laughs> weeks and then you're going to do know. like – I don't know. I just want – I'm, I'm like a sponge. I just look yeah. at stuff and I'm like I want to be better than most other people at that thing. Interesting. That's the way I look at almost everything in my life. So, But it, it is a matter of perfection. Like once you find that thing, it's like I'm going to be as good as this as I possibly can. And then I'm ready to move on to something else. And it's still like I still love photography. Uh-huh. But I'm definitely like I don't know. I'm still very I like I love photography, but like the web design stuff. I for a hot minute there, a few years, web design was like I loved it. Uh-huh. I like it a little more than not liking it at all right now. Interesting. Like I'll do it if I have to. Gotcha. I like gotcha. the idea of being able to write code to make something move and do something that's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I clicked a button here and something over there happened, right? Yeah, right. It's like playing the electric guitar where I strum here, but yeah. the noise comes out over there. Yeah. Oh, right. Cool. Uh-huh. Um, 
so there's that there's that aspect. But anyway, I, I so I, I, there's a number of things that I try to do. Interesting. And recently, I started this drawing and my the sketches. I can show you after we're done here. I can show you some of them. You can just see the difference between when I started, okay. between where I am now. It's uh-huh. like I don't again. I don't. I'm not one to toot my own horn. Uh-huh. But the, the, the <laughs> public reception has changed. Really, I'll oh, put so it to you that this way. Up there. You like part I, put, of, I try to put it up every now. I have been over the last like week and a half. Been kind of bad about posting regularly, okay. but I'm still working at it. So that I've also tried to do a live show every single day, just for like 15 minutes on Instagram, because I've realized I'm a little afraid of you know getting on camera live. Now I'm 116 days in, and it's like. Psh- you know what? Wow. What is this okay. that I have done? Okay. Uh, so I do that. I try to read every day. I basically have this big three-hour morning routine. Okay. All these different things that I'm practicing. Fifteen minutes on this, a half hour on that. Going to the gym, things like that. Yeah. Where it's every single day. Uh-huh. But I wouldn't be able to do that if I worked a nine to five, yeah. unless I was sacrificing my evening and getting up three to four hours early if I was commuting. Yeah. So I understand that I am very. I'm in a good place mm. in terms of being able to do something like that, mm-hmm. and it's all because I don't have that boss. Interesting. Interesting. How do you how do you make sure that dad the dad identity gets its due in your life? Because you're I, doing a million things, man. Sketching, drawing. I, I mean, I I, I guess I don't really know. Stuff. I don't really know what the dad identity is, okay. other than try to I I try to be as open and not really hands off when it comes to parenting, but I try to be very open with what the kids want to do. Oh, I mean, they're still very much like we're going to teach you. This is right. That's wrong. Do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Here's how you put your shoe on. You no, you don't take a crap on the dining room floor. There's a whole separate room for <laughs> that's that. An important so lesson it's important. Right, exactly. So you I'm need not to learn that lesson I'm not, very early. Right. I'm not like a jungle person when it comes to just yeah. you know. Yeah. But but it's also like you know the, the, a few weeks ago my daughter it was like 11:30 at night she woke up or something she's like Dad I want to go to Walmart I was like All right get your shoes on let's go and we just went to Walmart. Oh interesting. Right. Interesting. So it's just like stuff like and my wife you know my wife maybe not thrilled about it <laughs> but I'm just like you know she wanted wow. to do it I was here. So uh-huh. let's just go do it, you know uh-huh. that kind of stuff. Oh wow! Um, you know, and it's it's just like very bizarre, <laughs> spur of the moment kind of yeah. stuff. Where she'll say something interesting, or uh-huh. or they'll do something. I mean, my son, I'm probably a little bit too hands off with him. I left him on the dining room table the other day, and he fell off and hit his head on the floor. Uh-huh. So it's stuff like that where I need, I still need to brush up. I'm cleaning <laughs> up around it, the edges. Yeah. So the the dad brand is yes. it's in like an alpha phase. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> we're well, we're I mean, working toward beta, and toward, finally yeah. by the third or fourth kid, we might be in full totally, <laughs> full totally. release. We're falling off the table on your head that builds character yeah, well, it does. <laughs> so, that's what i heard i don't know it does it also can introduce some marital strife between the husband yes, it can. It can. <laughs> yeah. but it's no so i don't know i mean when it comes to like my my dad brand i guess it's such an abstract concept for yeah, me right. i'm trying to be i'm trying to take lessons that i've learned from my own parents and grandparents mm-hmm. and stories i've heard from other people and not do those things <laughs> finding that sometimes bizarrely i'm a lot more like my parents because as a kid i'm like oh, when i grow up i'll never do this yep. i will never do this and then yep. it's like i'm doing that yeah i'm doing that thing that i said i would yep. to myself well maybe it's something i said personally like right. i'm never gonna do this when i get older i'm doing it yeah. darn it i'm doing it nice yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know i don't really know what my dad brand is yeah. i try to be i mean i'm not like trying to be the cool dad mm. i'm definitely i'm tr- i i've told my wife i'm gonna try to be the authoritarian in the family oh, i want uh, my wife can be she can be the one who supplies the uh-huh. shoulder to cry on gotcha. i'm gonna be very much the life's difficult it's unfair buck up buck let's up. make this uh-huh. work no, you know snow- what I mean? no snowflakes allowed yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> but like you know i mean even earlier today we had the unexpected april snow yeah and i went outside i gathered up a snowball i was like this is like the perfect snowball consistency yeah. brought it inside uh-huh. my daughter she's into this thing where she just scoops snow and eats it uh-huh. so i put it in a bowl for her i put some <laughs> strawberry syrup on it i gave it to her and she's 
just like, you know, so I'm living life. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. My wife isn't necessarily thrilled with it, but she also did like, I give her credit. She didn't like freak out about it or anything, gotcha. but it's, she knew she would never do something like that. Gotcha. You know that? So that's the kind of thing that I'm doing. I want to be, I want to be, yeah, yeah. And very open experiment. I want to be very open. Like yeah. I want them to feel super comfortable coming to their father yeah. with a question or a yeah. concern yeah. and also know sometimes I'm not going to get the answer I want right? because I want to be the kind of person that's going to be, I'll tell you what I think, right. but I also try to, at the end of every difficult conversation, there's always room for a compliment. Mm-hmm. And it just adds the little, mm. I've stomped you and here's the kind of, let's yeah. make it better. I'm not doing this purely punitively. Right. I want this to be a redemptive thing, right. you know, mm-hmm. whether you're my kid or not, but especially if you're my kid, gotcha. you know? Interesting. So that's, that's kind of, at least at this point, that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm 28 though. So by the time I'm 38, I may have totally changed and be like, kids, meh. Whatever. I'm the, my dad brand is being fat and lazy. No, I, I, don't, I don't think I'll, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't see, see myself. That. I don't getting, see that you know, in your future. <laughs> what's your dad brand, and what is a dad brand? Yeah, dad brand for me is like well, it's interesting because when I had when I had Zora, um, your she, daughter, my daughter Zora Fabiana Reed, she's uh, fantastic. But it's like the first child. The entire I, I was just fascinated by the the the, the baby industry mm. uh, as as a collection of pro- babies are us. Uh, and this whole idea, the, the entire infant industry is built on fear. Yeah. This idea, like, don't yeah. try, don't kill yeah. this thing. Spend 50 cents. <laughs> there, yes. Gerber has a bottled yes. water that's just distilled oh, yeah. water. Yeah. It's just 50 cents more a gallon, but yeah. it's got the baby face it's on it. So your kid's not going to drop dead when you yeah. give it to him. Yeah. And I, re- I remember going in, being sent to get the stroller, and the strollers were aligned by price. So <laughs> yeah, this one's, right. you know, the, the $50 one, this is the $400 Bob. Right. And it's like as a dad, you know, which I, one, you know, I see price. My yeah. wife sees that's the least safe. This is the most safe. Yes, right. right. And the most expensive is that's most right. safe. But what's interesting is like from a from a safety perspective, they all have to be the same level of safety. Right. You know, that's interesting. It's like a bike helmet. You can get all bike helmets have to protect your head. If you want a six hundred dollar bike helmet because it's a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. you know, you can have that. But I remember just sitting there thinking, like, what type of dad am I going to be if I'm if I'm if I'm trying to like cut costs over here? Like who? Who am I? You know, so it's like they know that, they, and so that, so that they know that you know I'm going to have this sort of. That's a problem for me because I'm a hundred percent the cheapskate dad. Oh, is that right? Okay. Oh, if I can save a nickel, Even and I've on told, the first one. I've, I yes, really. I we oh. fought. I wanted just one of those cheap ten dollar umbrella strollers. <laughs> really, we ended up getting a hundred and eighty dollars, some okay. kind of fancy. It's okay. got all I know is it's got tires you have to fill with air. Yeah, which I'm a just little like, more work. What? Right? Yeah, well, not even that. It's just like how ostentatious. You know how? Yeah. yeah. Like what am I doing here? Am I showing off to like this is my peacock sure, or something? Sure, sure. I I don't know. I looked at it very differently. Yeah, you know, I was willing to throw the kid on my back. Give me a piece of rope. I'll tie him to my back and we'll go to town. <laughs> yeah, that'll build character. That and falling off the table. But t- tying the kid on your back. So I, yeah. But I, I, I am very proud of the fact that despite seeing moderate success with my business, I am still very – Very dad-oriented. Uh, penny pincher. Oh, penny and and it even carried through to my dad brand, so dad to speak. brand, okay. But I, I wonder if my kids will know that. Like, dad, you got the cheap this, you got this. I'd be yeah. like, I got the more expensive one, yes, but it's only because it was eighty percent off. What, what do you think is going to happen when? Uh, let me ask. When and if they show up to school with the cheap stuff and the other kids, I'm going to homeschool them. Oh, I don't. I don't want them going to school. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't like. I don't like the whole. Just that whole environment, to be honest. Okay, but like when they're hanging out with their friends, mm-hmm. and they've got the cheap clothing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of peer pressure around that, right? I w- well, and that's the thing. Like, I don't like peer pressure, mm-hmm. but I do think peer pressure is valuable for certain things. Obviously, because you're not going to poo on the dining room floor yes. partially out of peer pressure, yes, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, it does teach some valuable lessons. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I guess I would have to have the kid come home crying, and it depends on if it's my son or my daughter. Yeah. Because my son, it's going to be like, buck up, man. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be like, I actually have. I actually have I have a dirtier <laughs> shirt that you can wear next time. <laughs> That's funny. Whereas my daughter, I yeah. might kind of be like, huh. uh, yeah. 
I may let's, have to step in there. Let's take some karate classes. Oh, no. I teach you an arm bar. I, I don't well, know. You mentioned yeah, UFC, yeah, exactly. right? Jiu-jitsu. So. Let's do some jiu-jitsu. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I really don't know what my response would be. That would, yeah. I would, I would have to figure... I'm yeah. not sure, but that's yeah. a good question. Yeah, it's hard to it's something that I definitely treat my kids differently than I ever thought I would treat anybody ever. Right. Because it's just... It's, it's a different, different ball game. Different ball game, man. That being said... I was also told before I had kids, oh, you wait till you have kids. It's this thing. You're mm. never going to feel anything like it, yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. And I had the kid, and I'm just like, all right, I'm ready to go back to work. Literally, the next morning. The, my daughter was born on a Sunday afternoon. Uh-huh. Uh, the next morning, up up and at him. Wow. I was actually I was annoyed with her the night she was born because she was crying so much at night. I'm like, oh, would you please shut up? This, <laughs> is, not, get up this is not going going to work. Interesting. When yeah. you're 30, if you keep crying like this, you think you're going to get your way? Yeah. Well, maybe nowadays. but You're kind of hardcore, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice, though. I like it. It's, I like it. It's I, there's definitely room for a little a little tempering yeah, in there, but I'm working it out. I'm yeah. working it. Out. <laughs> I, I can see that I need it. Yeah. But then there's other times where I feel like I'm way too emotional. Interesting. So okay. I don't yeah. know. It's, I, it's I fight. It's like balance. this internal battle with myself. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it is I. I also here's another thing. I try not to make decisions based upon what the people around me expect. Okay. Because I did that for a not. No, I can't really say I did that for a long time. I've done that about certain things, and uh-huh. it's just crashed and burned every time. Interesting. What's it an paraly- example of that? Uh, this uh, an old ex girlfriend. Okay, and it was I should have approached things in a very specific oh, sort of way. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But I, I pulled a lot of punches that uh-huh. nowadays I'd have just let loose, okay. a la telling the police officers that I wanted to let loose on him. Gotcha. But you know things that I would say and do now gotcha. that I was just like I can't do that. I was like paralyzed. Gotcha. And I, it was fear, but hmm. fear that I was not acting on at all. It gotcha. was just this fear for the sake of being afraid to do anything mm-hmm. and being in this position where you feel like you couldn't do anything. Yet I wanted everything to change, but I, I felt like I couldn't do anything. Interesting. And it was like when that situation ended and I shed that situation, so to speak, or did someone say she shed me? Um, <laughs> Depending upon your when, point of view. Right, exactly. Yeah, so. When that cha- – it, it was a seminal moment in my life. Oh. It changed – it has changed everything. about That and there was, there was something else that happened at the time too. I had a nephew who passed away. That had happened shortly before that happened. Mm. But – the the kind of the conglomeration of those two things happening like six to eight month period of time whatever it was mm-hmm. changed everything. Interesting. It it very it very much changed me as a person. Interesting. And so the new the new approach is like just absolute transparent open communication. At yeah, all times. and it's I mean Bluntness. yeah I mean don't like walk up to a woman and be like wow I've seen more attractive faces on a horse right? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean I wouldn't say something like that. Right. But if she asks, <laughs> then I, I will w- say I have seen more. I mean, attractive I have faces on. A horse. I have told uh, yeah I mean there's situations where I put my guy myself ask. in hot water <laughs> because there've been females in my life who have asked questions. Okay. However, I do also know a girl who asked me something. I said, you could probably stand to lose about 100 pounds and you should, maybe you should go to the gym. But she did it and she has totally turned her life around in terms of that That's now. Really, yeah. I mean, I can't take credit for it, but I still yeah. like to maybe think that what I said to her yeah. had something to do. Because yeah. you had that moment where somebody says something to you and you're like, never again will somebody say that to me. Right. And if I can be the pad that you want to hate on and absor- I can absorb that hatred from you initially, totally. that's fine because I feel like I can deal with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. How dare I go and expect something of somebody else when I'm not willing to stand there and be sort of the barrage, yeah. the, 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 the dike, if yeah. you will, taking those ocean waves, totally. you know, being pounded against it. Totally. I think that's interesting point that you're making, Nathaniel, with respect to like the dad, the parent brand. Let's pull it back a little bit more abstractly. I, I fear that I try to raise Zora to not be a snowflake, to, to be able to hear opinions that are different from hers and not fall apart and need safe spaces and, and be all able of to this say, kind of stuff. I hear what you're I, saying, I disagree with you. but you're totally wrong, and yeah, here's why. I totally disagree with you, right. and that's fine. And yeah. so that's a, that's a you know, and, and, not, and to your point, I really like this idea that I'm also trying to still instill in my child as well. It's like, listen, life isn't fair. 
that's not a negative statement. That's just a truism. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone's not going to get a trophy in life. So, yeah. you know, you have to live with trying to do your best. And if you're not your best and you're not and you're not and you don't win that particular time, well, you got another chance you can do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think being, uh, being able to honestly assess yourself, be like, yeah. I need to do better. Stop yeah. blaming the people around Stop, you. Yeah, yeah. I need to do better. And like you said, not everybody in life gets yeah. a trophy. <laughs> cool, man. Hey, I appreciate it. We're going to wrap this thing up. All right, man. Thank Always you. Always a pleasure, Thank you for sir. being a guest. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for watching. Until next time, I'll catch you later. Hey, before you go, thanks for checking out my podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe to the show using your Apple Podcasts app. While you're there, I would love it if you would give this podcast an honest review. The ratings and reviews are really cool to see. If you don't think the show is worth five stars, well... Let's just pretend it is. Don't forget, new podcasts arrive every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an occasional surprise show on Tuesdays. Until next time, this was the Dodcast.